Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hello, welcome to Kernels. I'm Christopher Hume. I'm culture editor at The Independent, and I'm here with Jacob Stallworthy. Hello. And Jack Shepard. Hello. Um, it's been a busy week, guys. A lot of, lot of screenings going on. Busy week. Yeah, busy. we had a Blade Runner Monday night, which we're here to talk about. Yeah. You guys saw Last Flag Flying, the new Linklater yeah. film last night. Yep. Which I absolutely loved. Which yeah. I'm, I'm seeming to be in a weird minority. Yeah, the reviews haven't been great. I yeah. was in, I was in the middle ground, but you definitely. I mean, I'm a Linklater boy. I think everyone's got that one filmmaker where they could just, li- you, you feel like they make films for you, and yeah. you just, you know, you're gonna love it the minute you walk into the cinema. And he's one of them for me. Yeah. So yeah, I'm excited for it. Yeah, I'm gonna see Call Me by Your Name tonight, which best picture front runner. Yeah, I'm gonna see Molly Agnino, who did A Bigger Splash, one of my favorite films love. last year. So good. I'm seeing Molly's Game, which is the um, Aaron Sorkin's directorial debut. And oh. Jessica Chastain, it's like a poker thriller. That's so and Sorkin, isn't I it? Know. Like poker. <laughs> apparently the script was just like, I mean, it's actually doorstopper. Yeah. How long's like, the film? It's two hours 20. But apparently it's like got like way more pages than a film that, that okay. length should be. But Jessica Chastain's being touted for uh, Best Action nomination for it. So I'm excited to see it. Yeah. And then tomorrow I'm seeing A Killing of a Sacred Deer, which you're doing an interview with the director for. Yorgos, yeah. yeah. Yorgos Lanthimos. Uh, hoping to do an interview with him. He's, it would be so interesting to talk to. Yeah. And yeah. then hopefully we're seeing three billboards. Three billboards tomorrow as well. Yeah, we should be good. Yeah, I'm really I caught it Toronto. Yeah, director re- Martin Madonna who did In Bruges, which was excellent. Seven Psychopaths, which was mm. interesting. It's pretty great. I think you're going to really enjoy it. Yeah, well, I'm excited. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> like, I feel like for the whole of the year we've been saying, oh, there's just like no good films around this year at all. Like, what is even going to be at the Oscars? And then at the moment i mean none of these films are necessarily coming out yet but there's just a glut of them being pushed and with mm. london film festival around the corner just so many being talked about and being screened at the moment yeah, yeah it's like the last overload. two weeks i've seen death of stalin killing of a sacred deer and the shape of water which have all been no. pretty much like five star films for me and it's just they've all come at once and blade runner which is amazing so yeah so yeah talking about blade runner 2049 we all saw that on monday night um mm. For me, it was like, apart from Song to Song, which I think I've spoken about on the podcast before, it was like the second most moving experience I think I've had in the cinema this year. Like, and I think what I really loved about it as well is like, it's good when you are when you expect to be a big fan of a film and then you are and it's everything you want it to be. But I arguably think it's even nicer when you're not necessarily expecting that much from a film and it blows you away. Because like, I was never a, a huge Blade Runner fan. I always appreciated the aesthetic, but the film didn't massively do it for me. Um, so going into this, I was like, oh, I'm not sure what to expect. And it just blew me away. Like, it's just from start to finish, it's just an unbelievably impressive vi- piece of like visual art. Mm-hmm. What were your guys' like, initial reactions when you were like sat there in the, in the cinema? I was, I was completely blown away by it. I'm a big fan of the first one. Um, even though it's quite slow, I still really enjoy it. I think it's a really, really great sci-fi masterpiece. Um, but this one was arguably better it's just it looks amazing and coming out i 
couldn't stop thinking about it. Mm. I just, the visuals are stunning all the way through. Um, yeah, I felt like I wanted to stand up and applaud during it. Like it's, <laughs> it's that kind of a film. Yeah, it's amazing that they even had that huge budget yeah. given to this film. It's crazy. It's completely unheard of, really. Jacob, what, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've got confession to make. I do enjoy the first Blade Runner, um, but I've just always been kind of have a block with the plot of Blade Runner. And I always find it really hard film to, to yeah. recount, but I can absolutely just buy into the world that Ridley Scott built and just admire it for that. And I think it's basically Denis Villeneuve has done that again with this, but to just an unbelievable degree in that, I think the plot is absolutely mental and I just don't <laughs> even know what was really happening, but I was transfixed the entire way through. Exactly. And it's it is ridiculous. And every time, every new shot, there's about a million things to look at. So you'll want to watch it a million more times. And uh, when you come out of the cinema and, you know, a two hour, 45 minute long film and you immediately want to see it again, it's no bad thing, right? Yeah. I think we that all came out thinking that went very quickly. Yeah. Like it's crazy. Completely forgot how long it was. I thought yeah. when they reached the end, I, was, I thought there was going to be another hour or so. But mm. it just kind of washes over you. And speaking about your point about the plot, yeah, I found it very convoluted and intricate as well. And it sounds kind of a weird thing to say about a film, but it is that kind of film where it doesn't matter that no. much. Like I was just, it's such a tonal and atmospheric piece. It's like if you go and see a ballet, you're not like thinking about the story of the Nutcracker. You're like enjoying everything else about the as every other aspect of it. And that's what I felt like watching. Blade Runner, just the amount of atmosphere it creates and, and the shots mm. and like the world they've produced was just like incredible. It's staggering, really. And I think obviously the music helped. Yeah. So <laughs> just you'll be wanting to rave all night long to, to the soundtrack, really. And it's just, I think the plot, it reminded me of, it was just, it was like almost like a simple noir film. This mm. guy's search uh, for answers in this, in this murky world. It reminded me weirdly of Chinatown. And I thought other people might have had picked up on this as well and like mentioned on Twitter or, or written an article or two about it. But no one seems to have, have kind of made that analogy. But it really just reminded me of um, the Roman Polanski film Chinatown. Yeah, see, for me, it was I was thinking of Apocalypse Now for some reason, just in the sense of like you, you perhaps you go into that film expecting, oh, it's a war film. There's going to be, a, you know, a ton of shooting. And then you have this really weird, slow mm. whole section at the end where people crawling up from mud and Marlon Brando and stuff. And it was kind of like like that in that it was a sci-fi, but it was just so like brooding and like surrealist and and very slow paced, but like in a in an enjoyable way, not mm -hmm. like a it was you know slow, difficult to get through kind of way. Mm. I st I thought the plot of this one was much stronger than the first one. Mm. I'm not sure if we're going to talk spoilers. Probably avoid them. Let's probably avoid them for now. Yeah, it w it was good. Like following Ryan Gosling's character, he was. I mean, he's always quite magnetic on screen, even though he's perhaps not doing a whole lot of acting. It seems to, he seems to just be Ryan Gosling every you know time. What? I I disagree with that. I really, think, I think I really rate him, and I think he's the guy who his thing is understated. But I think it's crafted, understated. Like I think he's really good. I think it. He reminded me of Harrison Ford because when Harrison Ford first did Blade Runner. We all, everyone was used to seeing him in Indiana Jones and Star Wars as this semi-grumpy guy. And then Blade Runner came out and he was exactly the same, except for he wasn't the good guy. He was this kind of bad guy, um, like an anti-hero. And here it was, we're used to seeing Ryan Gosling as the semi-grumpy guy who saved jazz. And then he was 
a semi-grumpy guy again <laughs> in it. So I don't know. I'm with Chris on this one. I think like I'm always I'm ever impressed with Ryan Gosling. Really, it, considering I didn't I've not always in, enjoyed him as an actor, but in recent years I've kind of come to really appreciate uh, how much emotion he can pack in just just a facial expression. Mm. There's a scene in Blade Runner in which the camera is held on him for way longer than it should be um, where he kind of makes a discovery and you're not even really sure what this discovery means but you can just tell from his it's, it's on his face for about a good 30 seconds and you can just tell as the score swells around him that this is a huge revelation and we're going to find out why but in, in, in lesser hands I don't think I would have felt anything in that moment I would have been like come on what are you being quite pretentious keeping the camera on him for this long yeah. but the emotion he was conveying he was like pure emotion it's something quite like electric about him. Like when he's in, when he's in a scene, when he's in a room, even if he's not being quite passive, you still your attention goes with him. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah. Th- I, I mean, it's not a film that necessarily is going to pick up like acting awards, but I thought the casting was pretty great. Robin Wright from House of Cards was oh, awesome. Was brilliant. So yeah. it's so perfect for like that kind of role and that kind of film. Mm. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the main thing I was thinking about when I'm watching it as well is that like as a script, it's kind of whatever. Like the script is really just a blueprint in the case of that film, um, and someone else could have adapted that script and it'd been terrible film, yeah. like easy. You know, so there are some films where the scripts are amazing. All you've really got to do is put a camera in front of the characters and you're away. Yeah. But that it could have gone hopelessly wrong. But it's so well done. It's like every single moment in the in the script has been like realized and thought out to like the nth degree like there's not a single wasted shot where mm-hmm. they're like oh we'll just do this one do it outside over there by that tree we'll do like a two shot a wide shot close-ups boom we're done on to the next thing so everything is so well choreographed and the, the set dressing and the the cgi in post is just it's just it's like a work of art in that sense it um, is you could really take um any shot out of that film put it on a wall and yeah. you're staring at it for hours. Yeah, yeah. Just thinking, how the hell did I even come Every up with this? Every time the scene cut, I was like, oh my God, what like insane <laughs> vista am I going to be like treated to? And next? isn't that so rare to be excited about the next shot yeah, in a film? Yeah. It's so great. I mean, there are obviously great directors out there working today, but Denis Villeneuve is, is, is you know, further proving that he's someone to be super excited about. Yeah. It's yeah. almost like he kind of sat down with Roger Deakins, cinematographer, and he's like, right, we are going to win you an Oscar. Because he's obviously, like, he's, he's everyone, everyone's like, he's got to win eventually. Yeah. And then he's like, I'm going to be the one to, as in he's worked with him before, but this is going to be the film that's going to win you the Oscar. Come on. Yeah. This is how we do it. The director of photography, Roger Deakins, is like, yeah, he's obviously been instrumental in, in the film. And I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like a just a pure collab between the two. Yeah. You can't really praise one without the other. I think you definitely need to see it in the IMAX if you're going to go see it. Actually, yes. you guys didn't I, see I it. I hate being that guy who's like, oh, if you're going to see it, see it in the IMAX. But with this film, like, it... With the, with, and when the score yeah. and the sound design is so good, it really, really does help. I think it was the colours that astounded me, just the whole, mm. especially the really striking oranges. You know, in the trailer, you see a few of the shots, but there are there are more kind of hidden in the film that they don't show you before that are just incredible. Like mm. from the off as well, you know, the very first scene, it has these really bright whites and you're just instantly go like, <laughs> this is amazing yeah. you know ready to be blown away by the whole experience mm. and I think if you just I can I know there have been some people who haven't liked it and I can kind of understand why because it is quite slow but if you just accept that you want to be part of the film and really just 
sit there and take in all these images, then it's going to be astounding. Yeah. I, I could see how if you were watching it on an iPhone on a train, it might not have the same impact. And you, I could see how you could potentially get a little bit bored or frustrated but mm -hmm. as a cinematic experience it's like it's pretty incredible yeah it's pure cinema i think the thing was like unprecedented about it for me as well and like i hate to be that guy who reads out his own tweet but i tweeted about it after i'd seen the film was that um blade runner 2049 is the first film with an 185 million plus budget that isn't either aimed at children or that treats adults like they are mm. and i just thought that like after looking back at the list of films by budget and i mean i was trolling a little bit and people obviously did pick me up and were like well what about the dark knight what about mad max but really those two films aside everything else is the the huge the kind of the guardians of the galaxies the avengers all those kinds of films pirates of the caribbean mm. and like we've seen all these vast sums of money kind of not wasted but you know just like frit frittered away on uh, inconsequential productions whereas this time he's like oh my god this is like an adult film that wants to be artful mm. and it has actually has the money to realize what it wants to be it's not just trying to do it for two million at sundance i feel like it's like a, yeah it's like a di it represents a different kind of film or a different kind of blockbuster that say christopher nolan would offer in that christopher nolan's scripts i think personally i know a lot there's some people some people who don't but i think his scripts are brilliant and i think the, what sets the Dark Knight trilogy apart from the rest is that it's filled with so many brilliant lines of dialogue delivered so well by the actors um, that that's what is that's what for me why I revisit those films and love those films as opposed to the spectacle obviously they have great set pieces but mm. you know I not every shot is as lovingly crafted as Blade Runner is which I think is different in that you don't really hang on every word in fact some of the lines of dialogue are a bit eye-rolling at times, mainly spoken by Jared Leto, who <laughs> we should probably talk about in a bit. But he, he, a lot of his lines of dialogue are quite corny, but you mm. can completely... It's like you can really not even realise it because of how beautiful everything is around them. So it, it's almost like the antithesis of what Chris Nolan is doing, in a sense, in that he's just... he's a, I mean, he's got technical prowess and he's brilliant, but his scripts are better... Then funny that you say that. Even Irvin, but he is—he is—he doesn't rewrite really his own screenplay, so it's—it's it's different. But then it? Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk basically didn't have a script. <laughs> that was a yeah. visual, um, a silent film in a way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which is that—that uh, that just further proves why he is a, a master in his own right. But Speaking it's of another, like, of another of day's Nolan, conversation. Like, uh, obviously, a lot of people love Dunkirk. I enjoyed it. It's like a, a front runner in terms of awards and stuff. Do you guys think? Which do you think is the better? film Blade Runner 2049 or Dunkirk I prefer Blade Runner I think I it has too. the thing that was missing from Dunkirk was it didn't really have a heart like I wasn't invested really? in any of these characters as much I think because you're following these three storylines and I think visually it's amazing and the tension it builds inside of you is incredible like I really enjoyed that film but I don't it didn't have a heart like other war films have had you know looking at something like saving private ryan and that film has i think that's just the way spielberg always does his things it always has a big heart and dunkirk to me didn't it didn't have that it just had the tension and the you mm. know astounding cinematicness of it yeah which is kind of what you enjoy in a nolan film like Inception or something, but is when you're doing a war film, it kind of needs to be there a little bit. I guess as well, like Dunkirk is amazing, an amazing reconstruction. Blade Runner is more like an amazing imagination, right? Mm. And I think it's always going to be easier to want to immerse yourself in that world, especially when you're you come, you know, you're taking on the world, you're inheriting a world that really Scott created, 
back in the 80s and it is that is why that film is such a seminal classic not really because of the story but because of just the the world that he created so obviously in in one sense if i had a choice of watching uh, a film tomorrow out of dunkirk and blade runner 2049 i would pick blade runner hands yeah. down probably um but I don't think we should take away from. How I I thought I felt Dunkirk had a lot of heart. I I kind of got a bit really? misty eyed in it. Yeah, but um, yeah. In terms, I think of it had it in a different way. Like I really, there was the scene where the boats came to the shore, and I, you know, I was kind of welling up there. I was like, this is, you know, Which whoa, is, it's proud a lot of people roll British. their eyes at that now, don't they? When you talk about it, they're like, I oh, roll my eyes at that. Really? Yeah, and like this, like massive fanfare came in. It was like, <laughs> here comes the Brits. So I was a bit like. Yeah. But then again, you can't really compare the two because they're completely different beasts. And they're Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Still both amazing. Yeah. I've, I'm, I'm excited for everyone to see it as well. I think people are going to love it. Even mm. though we've like sat here hyping it and you know setting the bar high, I think people are still going to go in and be like, oh shit, it is actually incredible. So yeah. That's good. I can see people not like loving the film, but just appreciating what they've watched. And yeah, I think that's really mean. the main thing because it deserves appreciation. And I think there's something to be said about films that are just so, it's, su- it's such an odd film. Yeah. But the whole time mm. I'm just so intrigued by everything that's going on. And like I said, I, I didn't really know what was going on. And I'm not really usually like that, but I was just, I was just watching Transfixed. Just yeah, think like, what I think like you is... could you could isolate scenes from that out of context and like play them in the Tate Modern as like an art installation, mm. and it just work. <laughs> it's a good point. It, I mean, was... half the film isn't an art installation. Mm. Like yeah. watching it, it's just like you could just put that room. Yeah, in these from like that bodies set. writhing in these like really bizarre chambers. Like it's cool. Yeah. So I guess that, that brings us on to um, Denis Villeneuve himself, which I wanted to talk a little bit about because. Um, you know, there are those there are those directors that kind of transcend the level of just being known amongst like niche film circles who more casual fans and even people who aren't into film will have heard of like your mum will have heard of Christopher Nolan and mm. Martin Scorsese and people like that. And I kind of feel like maybe he's he's heading that way. I think you're right. I think he might be there. I I think that he has slipped over into that realm and I think it's a he's like that people have been sitting on in a sense they they felt like they knew people have known about him but they couldn't bring him up in conversation because other people won't really know who he is but I think now from I mean especially thanks to Blade Runner it's going to be a guy that you just bring up his name like a Villeneuve film and people mm. are going to know exactly what yeah. you mean by that I think the test as well is whether like 
it's when people really want to know what they're going to work on next. Mm. It's like they're the. It's not about who's in it. It's like what's the director's next film because he's like bringing the talent to it. And mm. I think after Blade Runner, there will be a lot of interest in like, oh, what's like, what's his next project going to be? Which we know what it is, I think. Right? Do we? It's, it's, it's a, we make June. a June. Yeah. Oh, no which, way. which I absolutely love in a sense because do you know what Blade Runner reminded me of in a way the latest season of Twin Peaks in that it's so inaccessible I, had, I thought that as well you watched Twin Peaks yeah. it's, the season 3 of Twin Peaks was so out there so inaccessible but never once did I look at my phone or was I bored <laughs> you know and, you, and I do in like you know 20 minute sitcoms but Twin Peaks and Blade Runner, I had no idea what was going on in any of them. And I never once wanted to know what time it was. I yeah. wanted to be in that world. Yeah. So to see that he's taking on an old... I uh, thought about Adobe Lynch as well film. while I was in the... Interesting. Knowing. The Spice! <laughs> Melange! As Let's as see what you can do with Patrick that. Patrick Stewart is there leading a pug into <laughs> battle um, down. <laughs> it was, it's funny talking about Denise because I was... So I interviewed um, director David Frayne and he's just done his first film called uh, The Cured and it's a zombie film and it's really fun it's playing at LFF um, and he said about Denise I, I mentioned I was going to see Blade Runner and he said he's the Justin Bieber of directors at the moment and it, and I think that's quite a funny <laughs> analogy because I don't think he, he meant it in the way that it was he's like the new kid on not necessarily the new kid but someone who's just suddenly exploded and Everyone wants to be him. He's, you know, he's a director's director now. Mm. Everyone's looking at him and what he's doing next. And I think that's been the case since Arrival, mm -hmm. which was astounding. You know, that was my favorite film of last year. Yeah. And then you have Sicario just before that. And, you, and now you've got this film Blade Runner. That's three surefire hits in a row. Yeah. Of that everyone's praising, like, if he does it, if June's suddenly amazing and then he takes, I think he's doing Cleopatra as well, or he's in talks. He's in talks to do that. Too. You know, if those two films suddenly knock out the park as well, mm. then he's, you know, established himself as one for the history books. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I agree. I think, I think the thing that made him stand out to me was after um, I saw Sicario, uh, which ironically I saw it in the same screen, massive IMAX screen we saw. Blade Runner 2 on the other night and I was had this moment of wow he's come so far mm. in this in, in these two years making you know Sicario Cartoon, and now he's making Blade Runner I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm just in the same old cinema screen watching these films uh, and uh, after that I was like I really love this guy because I think the cinematography and the tension in Sicario is brilliant and that was one of my favourite films of, of that year and then I went away and I watched Enemy which was this little lo-fi B-movie mm. he did uh, very weird isn't prisons. it so odd but it's basically like it's basically a mini arrival in a sense. Yeah, so for people who haven't seen it, Enemy, like the, the basis right is Jake Gyllenhaal just essentially realises there's another Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, <laughs> he's watching a film and it's an extra in the background and it's yeah. basically his doppelganger. Yeah. And it's got, it's, I really reckon, I mean, it's one of them films that I demand everyone go out and watch immediately because I really, even if you don't want, if you don't like it, I think you'll, you'll appreciate it, a bit like Blade Runner really. And uh, it's got so much weird subtext going on and it actually ends with what is my favourite penultimate it's not even the final shot it's a penultimate shot in probably a film yeah. of this decade <laughs> it's, it's like a film you want to watch your, with your friends just to see their reaction to I wasn't 100% on board with that bit that I will not name you're talking about really I'll let like, listeners make up their own mind on that if they decide to watch it but it's balmy but I did think after you like you were saying with Sicario it's really exciting when you see a director make a step up and you, you're like oh I didn't know they had that in them mm -hmm. I kind of it was the same as when um 
after obviously Damien Giselle coming up the back of Whiplash, which is great, but a very straightforward film. Yeah. Then he makes something as like visionary as La La Land, and it's like, damn, like that's a step up. And I guess yeah. Blade Runner's the same. Um, I just hope he he, he finds the right scripts because with all of those movies, with Sicario and with Arrival as well, I thought like the concept and the direction of it was like above the actual script itself. Like Arrival let me down a little bit in that way. And when I watched Sicario, I was like, this looks beautiful and like the way when these kind of like police raids have never looked so good mm -hmm. but then actually the film was I thought was slightly forgettable right um, so I just yeah I hope he chooses the right projects and gets the right people on board I think it's impressive just the way he uses his budget you know you look at the the step up from Arrival to Blade Runner and those sets in the film are just insane mm -hmm. like there's no other film of that budget even you know all these Marvel films which have millions and millions thrown at them and Star Wars and everything. I've never watched a film like that where I just thought, fuck, that it just looks insane. Like the whole set where they are is crazy. Yeah. It looks, you know, you can imagine that world. It's so real. There isn't a single just like stock war room or locker room that is no. just like steel and that's it, is it? Like everything is just nuts. But and even like, if yeah. it's like a really short scene, it seemed like they'd built this, yeah. you know, something massive around it. Like my favorite, I think my favorite set was the one with Harrison Ford where they intro him mm -hmm. and it's in the trailer. You kind of, it's a bit orangey and it's, mm -hmm. you know, like um, gambling tables and stuff like that. And it's just, oh, it's shout out to the lighting team as well, who are yeah. not going to get the plaudits they deserve because the lighting in that film and the way <laughs> they don't just, they don't just light a scene, they light a scene and then have it, it change during it and mm. characters going in and out of darkness and, like the the continuity shit to deal with that is, I'm sure, Absolute such a headache, headache but it works yeah. so well. Mm. Um, and just to backtrack again, I think that was the other thing I've, I found. Like, I'm not a big sci-fi guy at all, but having recently, you know, been watching Rogue One that I thought was pretty bad, to be honest. Um, the new Star Trek, which also was pretty bad, I was kind of losing faith a little bit, and I was like, ah, this is how this is how sci-fi should be. Yeah, and I think what what um, what labels good sci-fi is if someone who doesn't really love sci-fi mm. can watch it and get enjoyment from it. Yeah. Like, I do think Star Wars does that quite well because of the story at its heart. And I think Blade Runner does it perfectly because of the visuals that comprise it. But I think that the best sci-fi everyone always talks about is what's original. And Blade Runner created, the first one created a really original world. Mm. And then, you know, everyone always looks back on those, the films from that era and talk about like Alien, Terminator, all those films that they created this amazing world. I think we're really lacking that today is that there is no sci-fi I can think of from the last few years that has created a world where I'm just like, wow, this is insane. This is something completely out there. Except, And I think it's amazing that somehow with this one, even though it is a sequel, it feels different mm. and it feels like an evolution of that world. Mm -hmm. And it was really cool to revisit that but also see something new um but yeah it's a shame that we don't have more sci-fi films which are experimenting almost and isn't Denis the man to do that yeah to bring definitely. us a new world because <laughs> you look back at Ridley Scott who is still around making films I mean not by you know not amazing films anymore in my opinion but he did bring you know and even James Cameron I hate mm. to say his name because he isn't my favorite but he did create worlds no, that people Avatar, are revisiting. Now, an avatar, in a sense, is a new world, you know. But it would be really nice for someone to kind of just carry 
carry the baton and create a new world that people are going to be wanting to revisit in yeah. another two to three decades time i really hope that blade runner is going to bring about this positive change where like somehow he made that film without anyone at warner brothers getting their hands on it and being like this is fucking jazz nonsense like we <laughs> need to like trim this down by 40 <laughs> minutes like restructure this so it makes more sense and is more linear mm. like they kind of let him go with it and i thought that's almost like the netflix way isn't it you know let the creatives they know best let them do it maybe just maybe we're like we're heading into a, a period yeah. the only issue they i get can that. see there i think the big problem which has perhaps come back recently would be mother and <laughs> where it went too far yeah and where it, where it, yeah it did go too far <laughs> where they just went this guy can have his vision and we'll just let him do what he wants and it I like I thought that movie was But wouldn't you rather no. like wouldn't you rather that than the safe version? Like when I was talking to Adam Driver on kind of was a couple of weeks ago, he said like, you know, when he chooses his roles, some of them might not gonna be go go like well the way he wants, but they they're always gonna be interesting failures rather than yeah. just like boring okay ones mm -hmm. and better to have an interesting failure. I absolutely but the only problem I, I think with with Mother, you know, you've got like Jennifer Lawrence in it who's this massive star and they've given him like I think it was like a fifty mil budget and those that kind of budget film is there just aren't that many of them being made at the moment and so i would hate for that to be like a step backwards mm. but then again you've got something like it which is at the top mm. of the box office and has been for weeks and will probably do you know it's doing astounding Big numbers business. like hopefully that will send people the you know studios the right message that people like originality even though you know everyone's seen it before but so no i i i think the minute a studio or anyone has to defend a film that film, in my mind, just loses, like, it's a failure in my mind. And the, the minute Paramount felt the need to defend Mother, which I haven't seen and I am really I excited to see it, um, I think it completely makes the film kind of just, I don't know, it, it, it just falls apart. Like, how, you don't, no one needs to defend a film. If you make no. a film, there's a reason that that film has been made. And That's even if there's not, just go and enjoy it for, for yeah. what, you know, it's a new film that you wouldn't have seen. And... You know, unless it's a Adam Sandler comedy on Netflix, <laughs> and like, let's just let this film speak for fine. itself. Don't put out a statement like you've had like an employee do a racist tweet. Like right? it's, it's, a, it's a different ballpark. Yeah, like the just... film is a slur. Yeah, uh, yeah. that they've made. It's like, no, you released this film. You stand by that yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. I, I hated that about my, like watching Mother after seeing all these interviews come out, and you know, all the, a couple of things like oh, Mother's Mother Earth, uh, Mother Nature, and things like that, and it really helps ruin the experience to a degree because you were just thinking the whole time like for me i i thought all the symbology was really on the nose yeah and just so i really obvious. i really hate that kind of like metaphor and symbol stuff i remember like it just comes to mind like in the uh afterward in lolita by yeah. Nabokov, he wrote mm. he writes this thing about the response obviously he was absolutely vilified for it. he was called a pedophile and stuff and he's talking about this like reading these different readings of of his book and how one critic said that when Lolita's playing tennis with someone, how the tennis balls are like testicles that are being batted back and forth. <laughs> and he's just like, this, this is bullshit. <laughs> it's just, they're just playing tennis. <laughs> it doesn't need to be like a really obvious, this is like a signifier for this thing going on. Yeah. Yeah. So less of, less of that in film, please, because you don't need to be that basic. About <laughs> <laughs> Pure basic. All right. Well, we got, got a little bit off track there, but I think we can all agree that, I mean, Blade Runner's out now and you, everyone should try and get down to it if you can. It's a new Villeneuve yeah, film. Go see it. Lovely time. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Jacob. Thanks, oh, cheers. Jack. Thank, Thank you. you very much. And see you in a couple of weeks. I hope you enjoyed uh, our gibberish. If you want to follow us on Twitter, that would be great. We're at Kernels and we always love to get some feedback. Any questions, any suggestions, hit us up. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening, guys, and see you soon.
Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. 